0: and welcome to the crazy dre podcast show aka crazy crockett aka andre from the midwest of the united states of america today ladies and gentlemen i'm going to talk about something that's not so serious of course i'm a pretty serious guy when i talk about stuff that matter but it shouldn't really matter to me because who knows so today i was watching flipping around channels and i Come across the last dance, and they make uh, and they were showing something about Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan and Sky Pippen and the NBA Dream Team of '92. And I thought maybe I should talk about the beef between Isaiah and and, and, and MJ. So, everyone knows that MJ and Isaiah don't like each other. My perspective is this. Isaiah Thomas came from the hood. So you fight for everything that you have. You will take down your competitor. You will knock him down any way possible. You might do something that's not appropriate on the street ball level. Kinda of like in the in streetball, you you foul and you call it. No blood, no fouls sometimes, that's the case. But not literally the case. But no soft fouls, doesn't count. You really have to foul somebody to stop him from from completing his shot of a layup or a dunk. Of course, no one wants to really get hurt. But back then, you earn your keep. Michael Jordan, he comes from a country life. So everything about basketball is more recreational. Everything's based on rules. Uh, everything's based on certain fouls or certain cause. Certain, uh, you foul a person in a certain way that you don't actually have to take the guy down. And, and you kind of are soft about it. And so when Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas meet up the NBA... It got physical. I can't really tell you where that physical mentality or physical play came from because I remember Larry Bird, Magic Johnson going back and forth. You know, they were not the best of friends. And it it got physical. Back then, you played to win. You actually played to win the game. You didn't allow the referees to to be the abstract of the conversation at the end of the game. You made sure of that. You made sure that the referees could not make a bad call. And, and when you have a team like Larry Bird's Boston Celtics and Magic Johnson's team, of Lakers, and the Pistons, and even you can throw in the Philadelphia 76ers about the same couple years before and after uh, Dr. J retires. It was kind of physical. And, And Moses Malone was a physical center for the 76ers. They had to be more physically, defensively, uh, team, and they can't rely on the on just Dr. J's uh, flying in the air, dunking, making 15, 16, 17 footers, uh, creating uh, uh, circus shots that Michael Jordan created to be popular. Dr. J was the first one to do it. And he made it popular. He made it look cool. He made made look smooth. So even in that era with Dr. J and Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, it was it was a physical game. You would you would play to win the game, and a lot of it it comes from the street ball hustle. Uh, don't cry on the court. It was rough. It was not. By the way people describe it to me, I mean, I used to play basketball with my neighbors and we got physically, you know, we got physically involved. I mean, we would push each other in the bushes. We would follow each other purposely. We wouldn't even hit free throws if it was a shot being completed. That's how, That's how it was. And I grew up in the suburbs, but that's how we play basketball. That's how basketball was seen on TV, seen in the in the inner city, and it reached out to the suburbs. So, so this whole thing about Michael Jordan being butthurt for being physically hurt because the Pistons were playing hard on him, and Detroit gets a bad rap for being the Detroit, Detroit bad boys, but. Detroit wasn't the first team to play physically at all. They were just the last team to play physically. Well, actually, that's not even true because the New York Knicks in the 92, 93, when they were trying to beat the Bulls of Michael Jordan, they were playing physical with Michael Jordan. Jordan just got smarter, and Scottie Pippen was a lot better than he was before they won a championship. So Scotty got a lot better at his position, and they had Tony Kukoc, and they had Horace Grant that could hit a fifteen footer from the from the free throw line, and it was the triangle. So his he would he, they would run the triangle, and Horace Grant was always open on that 15-footer, fifteen footer, fifteen sixteen footer right by the free throw. He hit that every time. It killed us every single time. And, But that whole era was what sports used to be like. And, and Isaiah Thomas just played along with it. If we're going to play physical, well, we're going to get followed and they're going to follow us. And, and Michael Jordan was just kind of, he just didn't know how to pass the ball correctly. Everything that was about Jordan. So the Jordan rules was this. If Michael Jordan has the ball, he's going to take it in. He's going to try to dunk it, try to make a nice sweet shot. You follow him. Michael Jordan didn't pass the ball. It was notorious back in the day that Michael would score 50, 60 points any given night. And his team would beat the bad teams, but his team could not beat the good teams, like the Boston Celtics. And the Boston Celtics, one of Jordan's first playoff games, Jordan scored 63 points. They lost the series. But it was probably one of the best games that you've ever seen on TV. And then Scott Pippen came along. And Scott Pippen really didn't have a great shot. He really didn't. When he first came in, even if you look at the way he shoots back then, it didn't look good at all. So, But he made his three-point shots. He was a great defensive player. He was a very well-rounded player. He could rebound. He could pass the ball. He could be Jordan's little sidekick. But without Sky Pippen, that team would have never made the finals. That team would have never beat the Pistons. And uh, and and a lot of times, when you, people compare to LeBron James and Michael Jordan, it's not even comparable. So I'm losing a little track. Let's go back to the Michael Jordan and Zaya Thomas thing. So... These two guys are beefing at it. Finally Michael Jordan and 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 Sky Pippen and the Chicago Bulls beat the Pistons. And of course, who's leading the line to to leave the court with a minute 25 seconds to go. It's not Isaiah Thomas. It's Larry, I mean it's Bill Lamber. And Bill Lamber is kind of a a good old boy from the I guess he grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, but you could tell that he had that old school I'm a country boy, it's my way or the highway, and he's a very proud man and and he just couldn't he couldn't get through his head that all you had to do is Stop by Sky Pippin and Horace Grant and Michael Jordan and say, hey, good game. But I still hate your guts. That's all he had to do. You can still say he hates those guys' guts. And, of course, most likely, Isaiah Thomas would have done the same thing. He would have stopped by, given uh, Michael Jordan a high five, and say, congratulations. Cause it's kind of weird that Isaiah Thomas didn't get the memo because when the Pistons finally beat the Boston Celtics in the finals, when they when the uh, Pistons finally got into the finals in 1988 and lost to the lost to to the Lakers, McHale Kevin McHale gave Isaiah Thomas a high five. He kinda congratulated him. And this was in the Silver Dome. This is where the Detroit Lions used to play. This is where he had over eighty thousand people in a stadium in Pontiac. And this is where the Pistons used to play. So this is before this is a year before the Palace of Auburn Hills. And And people don't remember that. People forget that Kevin McHale gave Isaiah Thomas a high five and congratulated him. Was it intentional? Was it by accident? Was it based on coincidence? You have to ask those two about it. But honest to God, you think Isaiah Thomas should have just said, good game, congratulations. You finally beat us and then moved on. Everyone has to move on. Even the great ones have to be moved on. And they quit or retire and then they enjoy their life. Hopefully they invested some money of it, did spend any of it on dumb shit. But you can't, you, you can't tell people that. I don't know. That's not, that, that has nothing to do with anything. But I don't know why I put that in there. But, but back then, people—the pride thing was just way too much. And I remember watching that. My dad was really disappointed in that, and I was a little disappointed with that because I'm from—we're from Michigan. We don't—we hate the Bulls. We hate Michael Jordan. We don't—we don't care about Scott Pippen's crybaby moment. I mean, everybody cried so much, it was Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan just yelling and crying for fouls that they wouldn't fouls, and Michael Jordan would travel all the time. And I remember those days. I remember, you know, Jordan could slide a little bit and take a couple of extra steps. But the whole, but not being included in the dream team, three things I think happened. One, I think Isaiah Thomas's pride, he just couldn't be friends with people that he was trying to beat. Now, I think he learned because now he's talking to other athletes and he's capable of, of being a kind of like a father figure to the younger players and like Shaquille O'Neal and the other guys out there. But back then, Isaiah Thomas was not... Was not the guy that people like want to hang out with after the game, after the series. Now, I do think that there's a there's one incident. Well, there's an incident that happens over and over again. So when the Pistons and the Lakers made it to the finals that year, Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson get in the center of the court and they kiss each other on the cheek. And it's just weird. It's just weird, and people, people who are listening to this, are going to say, "Well, you're being homophobic." No, what? It had nothing to do with homophobic or homosexuality. On the basketball court, why? Why would you kiss somebody on the cheek? Why would you do that? I don't know. I mean, that just didn't make sense. That kiss on the cheek before one of the ruthless NBA final series ever for the Pistons why would you make like a peace treaty moment kissing someone on the cheek and I think Isaiah Thomas's personality of friending people to a point where it's almost too friendly kind of probably kind of made the rest of the dream team kind of like uh, I don't know that's not my cup of tea and everybody's respectful but I really don't think that's a reason for someone not to be included in a dream team I just think he was not able to get along with Larry Bird or or Charles Barkley and I think Zaya Thomas and and Magic I think Magic just Magic to me is not what he seems to be. I'll say this; I'll be the first one to say it. Probably sure I'm not the last one to say it. But I don't think that Magic Johnson contracted HIV by using needles for like heroin. I don't think he contracted HIV by by male plus female intercourse. Think magic might have been that type of person that jumped over the fence. That's another term for saying it respectfully. Magic Johnson was a so-called switch hitter and to me, the reason why I say that is because, in that time period, it was very, very unlikely for male and female of the opposite sexuality to to converse with each other what i'm saying though is that the gay community stuck with the gay community and the straight communities stay with the straight community so there wasn't no maybe there was a lot of sw- Swinner bars moments based on the memoirs, I mean based on books and stories of the Lakers in the 80s how how wild it was but I just don't think that magic contracted HIV having sex with a woman. I just don't believe that. I I would never believe that and I don't I have no proof of it. I just don't believe it. and it was kind of funny because well not funny, but I've noticed that i've noticed that when michael Michael is best friends with isaiah no i'm sorry jeez i'm getting- I'm getting um flustered here. I've noticed that magic and Michael are best friends in a sense where. Where they're kind of excluding Isaiah Thomas out of the whole big party. But maybe because Isaiah Thomas isn't really that wild man. Or maybe because, I don't know. I just don't know. And I really think that this beef between Michael and Isaiah will never die. It's It's too much pride. Like, I think a lot of the NBA players now are totally different. Like what I tried to say before, the NBA players now, they know it's a money machine. They know that it really doesn't matter if LeBron James wins six championships or five championships or Steph Curry wins another two or three championships. It really doesn't matter because you know why? Because the NBA will script it so that everyone wins the game. Everyone makes money. Everyone gets paid. Back then, you you had to be the prime player. Isaiah Thomas got paid. Michael Jordan got paid. Magic Johnson got paid. Dr. J got paid. But the rest of the team or the teams out there, the rest of the other players, they hardly ever got paid. No one really got paid, right? But now you got everyone. All even all the all these all these teams that are not really great. They're making money. All these players who are not on a winning team, they're still making money. They know for a while that ten years ago, all oh, this is about LeBron era. But they're gonna get paid. So they have to lose to LeBron James, they'll do it. No no questions asked. Because you know why? Cause they'd rather get paid eight, nine, ten million dollars in two years than to than to retire because they're not uh compromising their the win loss situation. So the NBA if the NBA wants teams like w- the Warriors and the Lakers or LeBron James and the Steph Curry to win championships, they're they're allow that to happen. And players on 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 other teams, they're okay with it. They're all right because they make money. And Just look at Boston. Boston is trying to win another championship this year and overtake the Lakers for the most championships in a franchise. It's marketing. It's how they market stuff. The Chicago Bulls, the Pistons, in today's era, is not a marketing gig for anybody because there's nothing there. They don't have enough championships to compete against the Lakers and the Celtics. And someday that's going to happen to the Golden State Warriors. When Steph Curry retires, Golden State's going to be just like the Chicago Bulls and just like the Pistons that are there now. Good, but not great. No one's really going to care. Maybe they'll win one or two championships 10, 15 years after Steph Curry wins. But the common denominator, is always gonna be the Lakers and the Celtics. And these players now are best friends. They go out on vacation with each other. They're each other's godfather parents to their kids. Isaiah Thomas, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Rick Mahorn, Bill Lambeer. Sky Pippen, Patrick Ewing, John Starks. They don't go to each other's events. They don't look at each other's kids and say, hey, how's your kids doing? This is awesome. They don't do that. That's a whole different era. The NBA is not soft, but just better business. The NBA back then was more competitive because the players, they didn't know who's going to win the championship. Even Michael Jordan didn't know who's going to win the championship. The only, the only championship that Michael Jordan knew that he was going to win was his last one in '96 against Utah Jazz. It was pretty obvious the way that they allowed Jordan push players off him on the last shot. Of his era in the Chicago Bulls in Utah. It's an easy push. Everyone knew it. Everyone saw it. And then the last shot. Everyone's taking pictures of it. And that kind of that look. that last shot look that they advertise. And that's what the NBA figured out. How do we make money off People like Michael Jordan. Look at Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant plays just like Michael Jordan. His team's not as good as Michael Jordan's. Even the Shaquille O'Neal team with Kobe Bryant, they weren't that good. It was just Shaquille O'Neal was just larger, a lot stronger. But the, the Lakers of the 80s and the Chicago Bulls of the 90s. And the Pistons of the 80s and the Larry Bird of the Celtics in the 80s, they could have beat both of those. They could have beat the Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant team because they had better players that came off the bench. They had better role players. The Bulls in the 90s, the Pistons in the 80s, the, the Celtics of the 80s, the Lakers in the 80s, they had a better bench. And they had better role players. And the NBA basically took the blueprint of the WWE or the WWF back then, it was called the WWF, and they made a blueprint. And the blueprint was creating superheroes like Hulk Hogan. Take your vitamins, brother. This whole super macho. Personality, this this guy that could save your life, this guy that can make you feel better for an hour and a half, at the WWE, or the WWF main event. They had their villains against Hulk Hogan. They had the Undertaker, and they had the and and, and they had Macho Man Randy Savage, and they had King Kong Bundy, and Junkyard Dog. They were competing against Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan is the Michael Jordan and the Larn James and this whole spectacular show. And the WWF just kind of learned how to write script so that they can bring people back. Oh, Hulk Hogan lost the bout to Macho Man Randy Savage. What What, what are we going to do, brother? And then they did the same thing with with Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan. And when Michael Jordan finally won, they never let him lose because to have Michael Jordan lose, you would start seeing the real Michael Jordan. And the real Michael Jordan isn't that, that nice of a guy in the first place. He's kind of like a villain. He'll punch people in the face during practice. He'll tell you bad jokes. He'll make fun of you on the court for being short, for being 5'3", Mugsy Bogues. He'll ridicule you. He'll make fun of your family. If Michael Jordan lost any of those NBA finals, then you, you would see the true Michael Jordan. And to be honest with you, I think Michael Jordan would just quit because he can't play no more. And then he start playing in the Washington, the Washington Wizards, and he sucked. He was pretty good, but he was bad. And then it took a game against Kobe Bryant to make Michael Jordan realize this time is done. But Michael Jordan will never. Michael Jordan's personality is it's so dark. He's I I I I like I don't want to say dark. I want to say his his memory of his past is dark. He doesn't like anybody. That's why you don't see him on TV. That's why you don't see him in the NBA finals as announcer or as broadcaster talking about who he thinks is going to win because he doesn't care. It's about him. And that's why you see Isaiah Thomas. On NBC or CBS or the NBA TV, talking about the game, talking about players, the players that he likes who are playing right now. That's what makes Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas different. And unfortunately, that one mistake that Isaiah Thomas made was that he didn't understand the marketing of the NBA by just shaking someone's hand and saying congratulations, and he should have just made the dream team. I went everywhere in this conversation. I, I don't even know if it makes sense. But it was, thank you for listening. Talk to you soon. I have to go eat. I'm going to drop this episode off on on Spotify. And on Apple Podcast. And talk to you soon. Good night. Love you. Can we all just get along? Please.